I ran into John McGinnis at the hotel at Daytona. He said, the Island Man doesn't have shit on this place. And I thought, yeah, that's Daytona. If I never make another lap around Daytona, I won't be disappointed. That, uh, <laughs> that, that, is, that was not a great place to race a motorcycle. Episode 42, Tank Slapping Podcast. Stoked, Sammy, back at it. We got a, a really good guest tonight, actually. I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's the brother of a former guest we've had on. So before we get into it, I want to make sure we shout out our sponsors. As always, keep the show going week in and week out. Um, make sure you guys thank these sponsors for uh, supporting our show. Bell Power Sports, all three champions from last season, were the Bell Race Star Flex. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Big shout out to Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, Commercial Industrial Roofing Company, commercialroofsystems.net. They have nearly 40 years of experience. That's quite a lot in any trade. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure those guys are top notch and they'll, they'll do you right. So hit them up, commercialroofsystems.net. Um, Jerry keeps the sport going, and we definitely appreciate his support. DID Chains, they have been the driving force behind countless championships since 1933. Entrust DID quality chains in their winning tradition for your race program today. Hit them up on social media at DID Chain with any questions on their products or some advice on what is the best option for your motorcycle. Yeah, once again, guys, make sure you hit up DID Chain. They're, they're great people to work with, and uh, we appreciate their support. Also, AIM Sports, they are the worldwide leader in motorsports data acquisition, displays, and sensors. Many top teams in the AFT series and other series around the globe use AIM. Check out them. Check them out on Facebook at AIM Sports LLC and Instagram at AIM Sports Data. Um, yeah, we got another Bostrom coming on the show tonight. We got Eric. Yeah, so. yeah baby brother, Eric. It's uh, Eric, man, you know, uh, Eric's a super cool guy uh, out of, uh, I would say, you know, between him and Ben, he's definitely the quieter one, uh, but maybe not the quietest Bostrom of all, as, you know, Ben told us about, uh, you know, the, the third Bostrom brother. But anyway, yeah, super excited to talk to, uh, to Eric. I mean, what a, an incredible career. We talk a lot about 883s on this show, and uh, Eric actually won a 883 national championship, so that should be pretty fun to talk about. Yeah, didn't he win? Was it the first ever 883 championship? No, I guess not. I guess Ricky Graham, I think. Yeah. I think Ricky Graham won the first ever one in 1993. I think that's when it kicked off. Um, in addition to winning the the uh, GNC title that year, he, which he dominated. I think he also won the 883 championship as well on two different brands. So AFT would lose their mind if one guy won two championships in one year on two different <laughs> brands. But yeah, Eric has a has an amazing career on the pavement, and yeah, he won a flat track championship too. I mean, it's like these Bostroms are very underrated riders for what they were able to accomplish in the sport. And the list of, of guys they've raced with, man, it's it's insane. Du Miguel Duhamel and um, Matt Maladin, Nikki Hayden, oh, man, just Ben, Eric, Ben Skees. I mean, you, get, you get to the World Superbike, you know, I mean, you, you, you're talking, you know, uh, Courser and Fogarty and, you know, I mean, the list goes on of guys that 
you know, the Boston brothers have lined up with it. Like you said, it, it's an incredible, uh, you know, list of names that those guys have, have, have raced with. Yeah. Yeah. And Eric's a little bit of an entrepreneur, man. He's, he's involved with quite a bit. Um, I'm excited to talk, talk with him about some of those endeavors and just, just shoot some shit, man, about, about the road racing stuff. I, I love, I love the, that era of road racing is, is just amazing to talk about and seeing old photos. So I'm excited to, uh, to chat with him. And we got some other things to talk about too, Sammy. There, there's a lot that kind of went down last week in the sport. Yeah. You know, uh, before we get to that though, uh, I wanted to kind of, you know, give ourselves a shout out on this new t-shirt. Uh, I'm sure if you follow along on the Instagram or, or Facebook, maybe you've seen the new design, but I think it's a pretty awesome one. Corey, what's your take on the t-shirt? <laughs> I'm stoked on it. I kind of helped put it together a little bit. Yeah. It's our, we've been kicking the idea around for a long time and I, I slinging merch is such a tough gig, man. It's, it's just a lot of work for very, very little uh, return, but we wanted to brand out our podcast a little bit and give you guys an opportunity to support our show and, and uh, yeah, and help out a little bit and represent what we're doing. So we got a, a really cool shirt. Hit us up on social media to get yours ordered. We're doing a very limited supply. I, I say that a lot of people say that, but um, it's, it's a true statement because I just don't want to stock up a bunch of inventory. So we're going to do different designs constantly. So this is the first ever one. If you're interested, reach out to us, send us a message. I'm working on a website, a Shopify account to, uh, to get stuff rolling on. So it's easier, but yeah, hit me Carter or Sammy up and, and we'll get you rolling on the shirts. Tire test, Sammy, uh, finally got to be back at the track, dude. It was, it was really cool, man, especially Volusia. Like that's one of my favorite tracks. So head down to the tire test and we were able to kind of test some tires and spin some laps last week. Yeah. You know, I've been wanting to, you know, I'm, First, I'm bummed I wasn't able to make it down there. Uh, I had a family event I had to go to. My older brother uh, got married again. but <laughs> So I had to go to that. Uh, so I missed the tire test. But anyway, man, everybody's been kind of hush-hush. I'm like, I've been like, hey, so what's up? And everybody's like, oh, you know, it's all right. You know, a little in between this, a little in between that. And like everybody's kind of being, I don't know, uh, Corey, I've tried picking your brain about it a little bit. I'm going to put you on the spot. We're on the air now. How was the tire test? Dude, it was fine. I mean, I don't think there's any secrets. It's just there wasn't a, a whole lot to talk about, really. I mean, we tested a new comp. We're working on a new compound, sort of something to kind of, you know, an in-between R5 and R9 compound. It's no secret the R9 was really hard last year and not the most ideal tire choice. So they had quite a few teams down there to do more testing. I know – Last year when they tested the tires, I think there's only one or two riders. This year they had most of the heavy hitters were there. Um, you know, there's a lot of fast guys there, a lot of different brands of bikes, Indians, Harleys, Yamaha Twins, singles. Um, I think three or four different brands of singles were there. So it was good. We we kind of treated it like a practice qualifying. We know we, we had transponders on. We tested tires. It was kind of crazy because – you know, you're looking at lap times, but you don't know what tire everybody's using. Um, some guys were using the fives, some were using the new tires, some tires weren't scuffed, some were hard, like, you know what I mean? So lap times are a little deceiving. I guess the overall laps for each day kind of gives the fans the best overall, like who was fast, who people were trying different setups. It, the times, there's so many, there's so much 
the background to what, what the times were that it's hard to get a good sense of who actually was fast and who wasn't. Yeah. Uh, talking about seeing where you stacked up during the off season. How'd you stack up Corey on that 450? Uh, big singles rider, dude. P1. Oh, <laughs> what? I won what? the tire test. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't you see, the... <laughs> you don't really read about me or the Suzuki. I mean, you hear about what everybody else did, but it was kind of, there wasn't much spotlight on the SeaTex mission, but yeah, we ended the day with fast times, which I, I think says a lot about that Wally Brown 450. I haven't ridden the 450 all year, jumped on it. And, and I'd be lying, honestly, if I didn't have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, because it's been a while since I've lined up on a single and everyone's talked a lot of shit about my singles career. You know, it, it didn't stack up the way I would have wanted it. So yeah, I, I was going to ride the shit out of that thing. And, uh, <laughs> and I did, and it was good, man. I, I really liked the bike and it was cool to know that I can still go fast on a single. So that was cool. What are you doing? I don't know. I spaced for a second. I was looking at my notes over here and I spaced. Sorry, my fault. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, I talked about the tire test and then are you, are you drunk, Sammy already? What's going no, on? man, I'm not drinking for a while. I got pretty <laughs> hammered during the Springer show. I just had a wedding, you know, and you know how those things go. So I am, I, I'm solid, man. I, I'm on the sh- straight edge now till, uh, Till race season. Yeah, in addition to you know the 450s, you know it was cool to see Vanderkoy was on an Indian, so that was interesting. And uh, honestly, I didn't pay much attention. We all kind of spaced out, and I was kind of busy doing my own thing. I don't, I don't know how everybody did. I, the bike that I was riding, we had a mechanical failure, so I didn't get the ride on. I guess it was like a Wednesday. I rode day one. I didn't get the ride day two. The track looked way better for day two for us. Day one, it was a little rough, a little skittery. Day two, it looked really fast and smooth, smooth, kind of like it was in uh, July, Sammy. So the times really dropped. And I think Breyer ended up with the overall fast times. But like I said, Meese didn't ride day two. Howard didn't ride day two. I didn't ride day two. So the times were a little shifty. Like they showed the overall times I saw on Cycle News today. And they had me listed, me, Meese, and Halbert listed pretty far down but it didn't take into consideration that we didn't ride the second day. So it was like, I almost voiced a complaint. The cycle news. No, it's, it's <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, well, we all know, uh, you know, day one, how you did, man. And, and like you said, it's a tire test. So you never know, you know, where everybody's at with what they're running and, and, you know, lap times can be affected pretty big. I did see on Instagram today, I was scrolling through, man. I seen, uh, cruising by Dalton's Insta and, uh, Sounded like he was on uh, a big single, man. Sounds like uh, that Harley was on was a twingle. Yeah, yeah, they were twingled from what the bikes that I've heard. And he had a, he had a mechanical as well. But um, the other bike he was on, that thing ran really, really good. And Rispoli, it sounded his bike sounded very similar to to Dalton's bike. So I think they both were kind of experimenting with what the new rules are that we've talked about. You know, altering the firing order of the cylinders. It was it was pretty crazy to hear, man. And um yeah so that was that was interesting I, like i said i i didn't hang around after the bike kind of broke the, the for me the first day we um i kind of spectated a little bit did, did some meetings and then i rolled out but i followed the times a little bit on the website and stuff like that yeah and just to you know 
technical talk real quick for for some of our listeners if you're kind of wondering well what the hell's a twingle uh basically uh, a dead giveaway is anytime you hear a twin cylinder motorcycle it sounds like a big single that means both cylinders are firing together at the same time and um Kind of helps out a lot with uh, the way those things it makes them a little easier to ride. They hook up uh, a lot better uh, in theory, and uh, it's just kind of like riding a big single versus a twin. Uh, so when both cylinders are firing at the same time, they call that a twingle. And it kind of sounded JD's bike sounded different too at the test. So I don't know, I don't know what they were testing, but it didn't sound similar to what they used during the season. Sure as hell, it didn't sound anything like my my Yamaha twin that I ride. So yeah, it'll, it'll dude, it's going to change the game quite a bit. I mean, that's a pretty easy, not easy, but it's, I think it's less involved than doing the, um, the traction and all that stuff, the, um, different ECUs and everything. I think altering the, you know, twin linen, I think that is, uh, is something that's more simple, I guess, than what we were talking about last week. So it will be interesting to see who utilizes that. I mean, I know I can't production twins. You can't twingle. So, that also might tell you where where some of those guys are racing next year. I mean, James, we kind of know. Dalton, we're not sure of. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I wanted to throw in a plug. We're getting close, Sammy uh, Carter, to the winter throwdown, and I'm, I'm really excited for it. I have more and more guys hitting me up every week about the event. Uh, I, just got, I just got a text right now, baby, from somebody Speak asking Speak of the question. devil. So, yeah, I'll, I'll answer promoter questions all day, man. So, Winter Throwdown is going to be epic. A lot of fast guys, and there's going to be a lot of of Indian FTR 750s. So, for the fans that want to see the Indians, you didn't get to see them this year. Um, maybe you didn't get the, you couldn't attend, or, you know, whatever. We're going to have some Indians. I know the boys are bringing them, so it'll be yeah, good. I'm excited, man. I've never been to the winter throwdown yet which is kind of sad to say so i'm pretty uh pumped up on you know just being there for the event uh i don't know i'm excited to watch i'm excited to get some uh you know a ton of content you know you'll see that through instagram and whatnot we'll be talking to everybody or at least i'll be talking to everybody and hopefully recording a lot of those conversations and uh giving you guys something uh maybe you know entertaining to listen to yeah, Sammy, you always get bitched at for having your for walking around with your phone out on the track and, and this and that. I'm giving you full access. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take gonna... full advantage of this. I'm I'm going everywhere. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's gonna be good, man. And then I've also been so I've been busy. Every week I have a new idea, and I'm just like, all right, I really like Strider bikes. Let's just start selling them. So I am a Strider dealer now. And I, man, it's it's crazy the uh, the amount of people that that have ordered Striders so far. So it's cool for me because it gets kids on bikes, and, and the more kids we can get riding bikes and playing less video games is badass, and I love it. And you know, it's it's a quick turnaround. The pricing that I can get, I sell them as cheap as they'll let me. I just want to get kids riding. So if you if you have a little one and they want to learn how to ride, um, hit me up. And we'll get you dialed in on a Strider. And I'm just going to say, I'm a believer in the Striders. Uh, I started Molly out on one. I think I got her a Strider on her second birthday. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, man, she's zooming around, taking her to the skate park. She's going down hills, doing this and that. And then throw them on a bicycle. Now all they got to do is pedal. They got it down. It's so simple, you know. So I'm a believer. 
they're cool man. yeah and if if you guys are on instagram um i we we've we've plugged them before but cruise has an instagram and you can see the process kind of unfold like everyone's kind of watched cruise on his rocking strider and then on his balance bike then on his pedal bike he never had training wheels like you said he was riding a pedal bike right when he turned two and then he was on a stasic and now he's on a pw50 he's you know a few months older than three he just turned three in september so um it's crazy what like it took i felt like i started riding early but i was four and these kids are riding at two three years old it's the strider the strider thing's really really cool and um you know they're a supporter of the winter throwdown and um yeah i just i'm a huge fan of the strider movement and yeah i can get you strider same i can get you a strider dude I, you probably fit on one so i think yeah, we could do yeah. like an adult strider I'm race down. at the third out it'd be my new pit bike <laughs> <laughs> yep uh yeah i don't there's not too much more we're gonna actually call no chambers tonight so i'm pretty pumped on that we we got a couple funny stories we want to share that we've been working on the last last few weeks one involves selling his dirt bike trading it in for a moose head um we'll talk about that it's pretty good yeah we'll, we'll, we'll leave that on the we'll leave that on All ice right. and we'll talk about that later right. we'll call him uh, but let's let's not wait any longer man let's call let's call eboz one half of the boz bros this, the one we haven't spoken to yet I'm, I'm amped up on it let's give eric bostrom a call yeah drinking a white claw animal pineapple flavored Hello. Eboz, Corey Texter, Sammy Sabedra. Excited to have you on the show, man. We had uh we had Bboz on and now we got Eboz, man. It's just uh good to chat with you, talk a little bit about your racing career and see what you've been up to lately. What's what's been keeping you busy? First off, uh I don't know, Corey, do you know that Sammy Sammy lapped me my first ever motorcycle race? Like lapped me. It's like awful, right? Sammy the legend, the Lord I legend. Uh, yeah, my uh, my claim to fame, I was seven years old. After that, he smoked me. <laughs> yeah, right. It took me took me years to get you, but um, but that was that was a uh, that was a hard night. I I think I probably should have. Uh, I think if I had any brains, I would have just quit and said, "Man, these uh these kids are too fast." But instead, um, I guess I got into uh, this like I better figure this out, otherwise. You know, well, anyway, I thought it was good on motorcycle until I was standing. And then there were all the other fast kids like Johnny Murphy and and, uh, and a bunch of Lodi, just uh, superstars that, that, of course, went on to do great things in, uh, in flat track and road racing. Yeah, we, we talk about Lodi on this show a lot because, I mean, you know, there's so many guys we talk to. Obviously, you know, your brother, you know, we're talking to you now. We talked to Jake Zemke, you know, Johnny Murphy. I mean, Sean Russell, the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, in your in your opinion or your view, what is it that uh, makes Lodi so special or, or, or why does it produce so many uh, good riders, Eric? You know, I think it's just like it happens in special areas. You know, you had like, uh, you know, motocross, you had the like El Cajon zone, right? And yeah. they're all, you know, like the Rick Johnson and Brock Glover and Ron Machine. And you just, you know, you, you're, you're as good as the people you ride around. And we were, we were lucky. And well, for one, is like there weren't a ton of racetracks in, in California. So everybody went to Lodi. 
so that was that was kind of one part of it like like Lodi was California flat track and um and then the and then the second part is the talent was good so you just you had to ride at that level otherwise you you weren't racing for the big trophy right yeah 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 it's 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 pretty crazy actually when you think about it but i think it don't matter where you're at it's just the competition level i mean pennsylvania we see it too we have a lot of a lot of fast guys that that come through the ranks you know jared meese johnny lewis um you know shano just so many people growing up in pa and then you have the michigan mafia you have those riders so I don't think it matters necessarily where or what track it is. It's just the uh, the people that are at the event and the, the pushing each other. Um, the the more people I hated as an amateur, the harder I tried to beat them. And then you know, iron sharp, iron sharpens iron. And I think that's kind of the case with Lodi because we talk about it a lot, and Lodi gets pretty serious. So um, you know, it's still that way today. We like to joke around about it, but you know, growing up, you you talked about about sneaky Sam and, and some of the guys you, you raced with as you transitioned into kind of like coming up through out of your youth days into the amateur ranks, maybe even your rookie pro year. Um, who were, who were the guys that you kind of transitioned from amateur to pro with in the flat track ranks? Yeah. It's uh, such a good list there of um, great, you know, great competitors and, uh, Johnny Murphy being one of them, obviously uh, Sammy, and um, and then like Sean Russell, Jake Zemke, Billy Martin, uh, some great battles with the Hart brothers, Donnie and Danny, um, for that, and then and then yeah, I guess just you know chasing my brother and and some of that you know like older older group that was you know a little ahead of us like um, well everyone from. You know, like the uh, the the kind of uh, what would you call it? the low eye regulars, the Rob Damrons and uh, and Andy Tresses. You know, trying trying to find pace with uh, with people like that. But um, yeah, that was that was really the graduating class of of my era. And you know, of course, all of uh, all, all of those guys were just you know <laughs> they were beasts on the track. And man, we had some uh, good times. It was cool that. You know, both Sean and Johnny and Billy uh, got a chance to we got a chance to race for Bartels together, and that was that was a rad experience. I mean, there's <laughs> uh, so many funny stories of the what was that 2006 season where you know it was just the four of us. I was the oldest at 19 years old, so I was kind of the ringleader, and Sean was the youngest at 16. So we were and you know we were gone for like five months just racing flat track and trying not to get in too much trouble or break too many bones and um the the shenanigans throughout the week of uh, of a bunch of kids on the road and i think the coolest part is we didn't have mechanics you know like it was just it was us working on the bikes and um but we we started like really finding our speed and the other cool part is Ben was back at uh, in California at Bartels, like doing the tuning on the bike. So he was a dyno guy, and um, and it was just so it was like really just this like really young group of of racers. And so in doing all of our own work on the bikes, of course we got some things wrong, and I even got disqualified after winning Springfield Mile because uh, a connector broke, and so the bike wasn't charging after the race. And it's like all you have to do is plug the thing in, but I didn't know any better. 
and then and then uh, there was another one where we had won Hagerstown by maybe too much. You know what they say? Like when you win too much, you're going to get uh, you're, you're going to you know get torn <laughs> down. So I think uh, I think won the race by about a half a lap, and and uh, and so so they they tore us down. There was a protest and tore us down, and and um, after you know racing like all night and you know run the Grand National and uh, and the 883 National. I was like completely cramped, and plus we had we'd been in Illinois, so that was an epic weekend. We'd been in Illinois racing, and then and then uh, and then Tennessee, and then Hagerstown, like all in a matter of like three days. So uh, so I was shattered, and so I'm tearing down the bike to say maybe three at like you know two in the morning in tech inspection. My fingers are getting like walked onto the wrenches because they're so cramped up. I so I'm like kicking the you know kicking all the bolts loose and uh, somewhere in the middle of the night um the the team that was protesting i think felt so bad they're like hey, we're gonna help you tear this bike apart because you know like I'm, you know like this is sad and i'm like no you can't touch it like i was too i was too angry and uh and i think too much pride to to even let them help so um as, as i think we saw the sun come up that morning but uh but that we passed tech and that's all that mattered. Crazy, man. Crazy. You know, we talk about uh, a lot about, you know, the 883 class, uh, you know, on, on this show. And it seems like, I don't know, it's kind of got its own cult following within our, w- within our, uh, our podcast. Cause we're always talking about it. So it's really cool to talk to, you know, a champion, of that class and uh you know talking about your you know your 883 championship i mean you know as as we all know you know you can have this dirt track background but you know you won an 883 championship and then you know that seemed to i don't know maybe it did but it seemed from an outside perspective to open up quite a bit of uh doors for you and allowed you to go road racing uh in the 883 series and then that opened up more doors and next thing you know man you're, you're a you're a factory uh super bike star so uh, could you tell us a little bit about how all that played out for you yeah the 883 was everything for for ben and i it opened up all of our doors and you know in, in the beginning it was like uh it was doors like like uh like like you know going and racing all these voucher races that we really wouldn't have had the support to do. And um, with the other dealers, you know, kind of stepping up their support, um, it just it, it made that possible. And then, and then along the way, you get all these like small kind of relationships built. And one of them, of course, was with uh, your dad, Corey, and, you know, it getting to go to your house, gosh, I'm, well, and I think, uh, you know, both you and your sister were pretty much somewhere between waist and knee high at that time. <laughs> and, you know, getting to hang with, like, hang with Randy and race and what a fierce competitor. And just uh, so, like, all these cool relationships that happen, you're like, well, these, this is this is how this really works. You could see, you know, the work ethic and 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 then that, that pure passion for racing. And, and then um, out of all that, and I think maybe of that love for flat track, we had had that chance to um, 
go road racing on the on the 883 and and uh i mean gosh could you even hardly call that a road race experience right i think my first road race i spent more time <laughs> in the dirt than i did on the asphalt but uh, because i probably that well, i miss every time at the ganaseka and and um but but yeah so without without the 83 i can say my racing career would not have happened there was no way i didn't i don't think i had the uh, ability to uh to really have you know make a flat track career and and the 883 opened up all the all the doors to go road racing so that was uh it was everything for us yeah it's actually pretty cool to think about like we joke around about the 83 class a lot because the bikes are pigs and if you low-sided one you had to replace the whole bike basically it would just like self-destruct so we talk about that class a lot but you won the championship in 1996 and then, it, like you just said, it opened up a door for you to go road racing. And and you didn't just pop into the road racing world and just go superbike racing. Like, you earned a road racing Harley ride from your flat track title. I guess that kind of gave you some clout. So you did the, the Super Twins Championship in 1997. And you just mentioned that you were in the dirt more than you were on the pavement. But you won, I think, 10 out of the 11 races that year. So you basically dominated the the Harley Super Twin Championship, which led you into an AMA Superbike ride. So you essentially, I, I don't know how it all went down. I guess you can maybe explain it, but you went from flat track and a Harley to being a Superbike rider on the, you were, you replaced Miguel on the Arian Honda in 1998. You won your second ever race on the Superbike. So <laughs> talk about, that's a crazy, that's a crazy, I don't know if that's how the transition went. You can explain it, but that's, that's incredible. I mean, that's that's crazy to think about. Yeah, that's pretty much how it went. Um, maybe you just didn't. <laughs> like, I don't think I knew any better. And um, it didn't hurt to like uh, you know be on like around great great people and on great equipment, right? So um, Bartels obviously had a, a pretty bolted down team on, especially on the road race stuff. And then uh, and so getting a chance to ride their bike a little bit on the road got uh sort of my toes in the water and then and then in 97 ended up racing for miller electric out of uh, houston texas and it was just a rad group of cowboys and uh and and you know like that other thing of coming along with talent um at that point mark elder was uh with that team and he's actually the how i ended up there because we were friends from bartels and, uh, of course, he went on to work with, you know, like uh, Valentino and Hayden and a bunch of other riders and still in, in Europe uh, working with factory Ducati team. So it's, uh, it's, it's cool how, you know, there's all these pathways and um, going from, you know, kind of the original hooligans class of, of 883 racing in the dirt and then bringing over the asphalt. It just felt like, you know, you're kind of doing the same thing, which was... Uh, you know, stroking this pig around his track, and <laughs> and uh, and then what a what a big difference it was to jump on the uh, factory Honda bikes in '98, and and uh, you know in that year I was riding riding the 600 in the from extreme bike, which was a 1000 cc, and then and then with Miguel breaking his leg, I ended up on his bike, and it was like I think up until that year I probably the you know, the most expensive bike I'd ever ridden was 
$5,000 flat track bike or maybe maybe a $10,000 flat track bike. But then, you know, fast forward two years later and you're on a you know, half million dollar super bike and you have no, that's like no excuses equipment. You just got to go and, and, and do it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you went and did it, man. I mean, you you you, you know, you proved yourself through and true. Uh, I mean, you won a Formula Extreme Championship. You won a Super Sport Championship. You were, uh, you know, a two-time runner-up in the in the Superbike Championship. But then, you know, that kind of parlayed into, and then with your brother, you know, doing the World Superbike thing. Uh, I remember you got some uh, quite a few rides in the World Superbike. You, you, I don't think you ever got a full year in, in World Superbike, but you did quite a few rounds there, right? Yeah. Anyway, it recently gotten injured, so I jumped on the uh, Fuchs Kawasaki out of Germany, and that was uh, that was interesting. Like you know, trying to learn these tracks like in my really fast race tracks, and of course, three quarters of the weekend or Silverstone, which was all of the weekend, it was just raining cats and dogs. So you're you know you're trying to learn a uh, hundred and well, 200 mile an hour racetrack and pouring down rain. And then of course on Sunday it dries up and you're in, and you're, you know, you're going for it. And um, so yeah, the, the learning curve getting into racing in Europe was, was really steep. And, um, and yeah, well, that was the competition there in Europe is I'm so used to everyone just sort of giving up after a certain position, but the, uh, the, again, that kind of, Iron Sharpens Iron, it was, it, you know, the, the battle there was intense. And and, um, and I had, you know, some, some really good runs. Like at Imola, we ended up leading some of that race and and, um, and finished pretty far towards the front of the field. Um, but, yeah, some some really cool experiences with Kawasaki team. And, and um, ultimately, my goal was to get over there and, and challenge Ben on, on equal equipment. And that just never quite panned out and that's that's all right you know that's the way it goes but um i you know i think if uh you know if you could take a few things back maybe i would have been a little more serious about getting to europe and um and, and contesting the world championship more yeah i mean you you sammy mentioned you finished runner you finished runner up twice you know once to matt Milad and once to nikki hayden um, that era of road racing in America was phenomenal. I mean, there were some really talented riders. The field was really deep. Um, talk about maybe the, um, the differences between racing a guy like Maladin and racing a guy like Nikki Hayden, you know, you contended against both of them for, for championships. What was different about those two guys? Um, what, you know, what made Maladin so good? What made Nikki so, so good, so phenomenal, and um, which one, which one was more bittersweet? I mean, um, between those two runner-ups, you know, I, it's a tough thing to talk about, but um, you know, it's 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 a good it's good insight as well. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's it's great, you know, like memories help us live on, right? And of course, we all dearly miss Nick, and and uh, but you know, I think it's important to 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 talk about our friends and. And uh, and what what great humans they were and competitors and and Nick was you know purely passionate about racing and in fact the first time I ever raced against him was just before that Hagerstown race and uh, we were in Bellevue Illinois and um, I was like God this kid is fast like you know he was, he was like 14 years old and he was uh, running up front in the main event I didn't even make the main event so uh, 
so you know fast forward there you know maybe a decade later or actually probably five six years later but whatever um nick was uh like he he just he loved riding the motorcycle and that's like that was his passion he could kind of uh you know great great person wonderful to be around aggressive on the racetrack in the in kind of like a very respectful way like yeah, I love racing against him because, you know, you could you could ride. He was one of those riders that you could just lean on, and he could lean on you, and then you could lean on him, and and it was like, and there was there was never any animosity, you know. And and after the race, it was always like, you know, uh, very pure motivation for um, the love of 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 the bike and the sport. And Milan was completely up on the other side of the spectrum. Um, the most so that I've ever seen where his motivation for winning came from like this purely competitive side of he just, he, he raced to beat the competition. And I don't know that he had any love for riding a motorcycle and that's, you know, that, that's okay, I guess. Um, but he was, uh, he's actually also a really good race on the track. Like he never pulled any dumb moves or, or like, uh, you know, for the most part, he he just you know he he raced clean, um, so so it was actually pretty rad racing. He pulled a bunch of BS off the racetrack, so he actually like he was such a bad guy around the paddock that uh, sometimes he made race weekends miserable. And whoever was his biggest uh, kind of uh, you know opponent would be the person where he would sort of uh, direct most of his anger at. And and that anger is what made him, is what propelled him to uh, to, to to beat you know the the that that opponent. So so he had, he'd almost played up, and I mean we've run into each other on pit lane, and that you know <laughs> like you know he bad mouthed me to the press, and and uh, and it, it was almost like you know when you're watching a boxing match and they're trying to intimidate each other before the match. I mean that was. That was Maladin all the way, but ultimately, I really did enjoy racing on the racetrack, and and probably one of my biggest regrets is in 2003 on the Kawasaki on the 750. We were, you know, in a, a pretty good championship race and and uh, leading the championship at the time. And Maladin was on the on the 1000. We were actually on the we were on the. Uh, the, the big board Kawasaki, whatever that thing was, like at 838. <clears throat> and um, and so we had a pretty good run going on the championship. And then I ended up uh, having that crash at Laguna Seca that where I had the neck injury and it took me out of the season. So we missed the last three races and ultimately um, we're not able to contest for the championship and that went on to win the championship. But I really think we had a very good chance of, of uh, winning championship in 2003. Yeah, you know, you talked about that crash at Laguna Seca and, and that injury you had, and I and I think that that track has or that in, that crash has played a uh, you know a significant part of uh, what you're doing now, um, if I'm not mistaken, and that has to do with uh, a, a product that you developed that I use on a weekly basis myself. I, I you know all old motorcycle racers, you know are going to have a, you know, a laundry list of aches and pains as uh, they get older. I guess it's just par for the course, right? But you created uh, and developed uh, 
an instrument that you call the backmate, and, and it, that all stems from that crash, if, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that's that's it. You nailed it, Sammy. Thanks. Um, and that's actually probably why I was off my game starting the call. I was just on the phone with the getting some manufacturing production stuff sorted out. So, like, what what time zone? Time uh, time zone am I actually? And um, so the the yeah that crash. Um, you know, like many other crashes, I I broke like a laundry list of bones, but. Uh, something different about that crash was compressing my uh, cervical spine and and uh, having this <clears throat> back injury that I just couldn't recover from. I spent a, a decade searching for answers and um, everywhere I looked, you know, I didn't want to have surgery. It's risky and uh, and 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 ultimately I was probably not the right. Well, it, it certainly wasn't the right path for me. And uh, and then the other side, you know, medication. And really polluting the body and and uh, and only quieting the noise, and so I really needed something that could address the pain and ultimately um, address the the underlying cause of the issue. And so um, through doing like you know years of physical therapy and massage therapy and different things, I started figuring out what was really working for me, and that was being able to do neuromuscular therapy on my own time. And so that's where the, the back link came in. I just, I realized that I need to put in the work and I could have, you know, the, these, these great results by working with the nervous system and, uh, and, and, and then, uh, and then, and then ultimately get better circulation by, um, you know, doing the massage work. So in doing so, um, I had sort of, uh, come up with several contraptions and the, the first one that, that we've released is the backmate, which is an expandable bar that goes in the doorway, and it allows you to do like this, uh, just have this incredibly relaxing massage, and you of course get to adjust the amount of pressure by how hard you lean against it, and um, and so that that's been um, that's been my passion for the last oh boy um, probably ten years, which is kind of whittling away at making this mousetrap a little bit better and then we brought the product to life um this past year and i think at this point we've, we've probably helped a few thousand people sort of um into a better place with their health and that's ultimately the goal of the company is to, to encourage people to sort of take charge and not just lay down to um pain but this also goes in so many different directions with, uh, you know, like technique that we have today with people on their tablets and phones and having this sort of these chronic, um, chronically tense muscles and forward-rooted posture. And, uh, and so, you know, if we can do, if we can commit a little bit of time, maybe five minutes a day or maybe even less, um, we can make a huge difference in our life and longevity. And, and that's, uh, that's that's this is kind of phase one for the brand. We're going to continue to innovate and bring out um, better products. But for anyone that's listening, I encourage you if you're if you're struggling with any issues, whether it's headaches or uh, muscle pain, um, you can really make a big big difference in your life with just a few minutes a day. And you don't have to necessarily buy back mate. You you can do it with you know by laying on the floor with the golf ball and uh and, and sort of get yourself um started and then from there with 
some results. Um, hopefully, you step it up and and um, find some specific things that works for you. And the, the backend has definitely been an extremely versatile tool for me. Yeah, and I actually got a backmate for, I think it was for Christmas last year, and, and we take it to the track everywhere. You plug it in, and it charges the battery. There's different settings. I use it on my calves a lot. I'm, you know, I, I, I bicycle quite a bit, and I use it on my back after a day of moto. I, I case jumps pretty bad, <laughs> so I'm, I'm always <laughs> using it after a day of moto, and we take it to the track. And, and it's good, too, because uh, I know, you know you're big on – you know, staying away from, you know, ibuprofen and pain medicine and stuff like that. And I, I'm, I'm also pretty passionate about that. I think natural, you know, hot baths, um, you know, foam rolling, you know, things like that. Massages is a very efficient way to kind of stay loose. And yeah, just, um, yeah, it's just, it's all good health and it makes you feel better mentally and physically. And yeah, you know, I think it's really cool, man. We, we talked a little bit about your, um, you're an entrepreneur, um, not just with this, but with other things too. And I wanted to bring up, you did some journalism, you've done some like TV stuff and you guys also had an apparel line. Um, do you guys still have any of that old apparel? I mean, that stuff was awesome. Yeah. Thanks. We, uh, we actually do. And we're trying to figure out what to do with it because it's sort of like, well, it's, it's too great to get rid of in the sense of, you know, you don't want to donate it, but I really don't have the time to do too much with it. So I'm trying to figure out what to do with, we have a room full of, of, uh, of, of custom built like t-shirts and, uh, and gear like that. So um, if you have any good ideas, let me know. I, I'd love to, you know, figure out how to distribute it to the, the many fans that make our, our, our sport great. And uh, I just can't figure out how to do so in a way that, makes any sense for my time or you know and, and uh, obviously cover the cost of of uh of shipping and doing all that it, so um it's still it's still around and and certainly you know i hope that we can get some motorcycle shows back on television but i think that the cafe racer and naked speed program was the last motorcycle show on television and it's it's sad you know because it's been a that's been a while since then i had the opportunity to, you know, host that show. And, and, um, so hopefully, hopefully things will come around and we'll get some more motorcycles on television, but yeah, just a deep, deep passion for the sport and, um, and, and appreciation for the, the people that had, you know, went to the racetracks week in, week out. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've met on the backside of the, you know, I guess my racing career that, you know, say like I went to the Seca every year between you know 1993 and 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 20 whatever, right? And you just wow, they spent 20 years going to the racetrack and never missed a single race. And I think I think that's just such a rad story. And I uh, I hope that you know racing can be, you know get back on its feet. And and it's it's really cool to see flat track so strong right now with that you know sort of thought we were on our last leg for, for great flat track racing and, and events. And then, uh, and then there's been such an amazing resurgence and, and, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. You, you know, so much to talk about, Eric, you know, um, before we kind of start to wrap this up, you know, but I was a big fan of the Bosbro line. I still have some of your, uh, t-shirts that I put away and collected, you know, top of the hill shirt you had with your dad on there. And, you know, uh, for those of you that don't, 
know or may not know, um, you know, the Bostrom name, uh, there's a lot of history with that name uh, in, in motorcycle racing that uh, goes beyond both Ben and Eric's career going back to their, you know, their uh, your uncle Eric, uh, Paul Bostrom, national number 46, and your dad Dave was a, a national number as well. So, you know, there, there, there's uh, all the Bostroms, man, what a good-looking group of guys and, and true gentlemen. And if there was one person that just kind of like – was the like if you took all the goodness of all the Bostroms and put them into one person, I'd have to say it'd be you, Eric. You, you know, you're like the epitome of a Bostrom. You're as nice as they come. You're a gentleman and you're super talented. And to me, those are the things that uh, are, are synonymous with that Bostrom name. So you really live up to your name. And uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. I know we have one more segment we'd like to do called the High Low. Um, where we kind of ask you uh, uh, this or that, you know, just kind of give some wild answers, whatever comes off the top of your head. Um, Corey, you want to you want to kick off the high low? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I actually just had one more question before we get to the high low. I wanted to ask you, you know, you mentioned flat track. Do you watch any of the American flat track? Do you watch Moto America, Moto GP? Like, what motorcycle series do you follow right now? Like, we had Kevin Schwantz on and. He still follows MotoGP, and uh, I forget some of the other guys we had on. Uh, I think it was maybe Moorhead or Springer. Like, they watched MotoGP. So what do you kind of keep up with, like, what series right now? I've been trying to keep up with everything because uh, because of the passion. Of course, with Backmate, my time just runs thin. But I, I tell you, the one I've been most excited about is watching Flat Track because it's been so long since I've been able to – do that and the, the the sport of course the racing's better and the coverage ha- is, is is there right so um i'm just kind of all all about flat track right now and and then it's been really cool seeing what the group's been doing with moto america and it's been um pretty accessible so uh, I would say I've been trying to tune in the flat track and then hitting the highlights on Moto America and Moto GP along the way. And what's nice. like too. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's what I figured. I know you're you love racing, you're a race fan, so I was I was just curious. But yeah, let's let's get into the high low. Um I kinda I put this one out there, but I, I kinda already know the answer to it, but we're gonna ask it anyway. Where would you rather ride? Laguna Seca or Daytona? Oh man! So uh, I was I was I ran into John McGinnis at a at the hotel at Daytona, and you know what he told me? He said, "And the island." He said, "The island man doesn't have shit on this place." And I thought, "Yeah, that's Daytona. I, if if I never make another lap around Daytona, I won't be disappointed." That uh, that, that is that was not a great place to race a motorcycle, but um, but fast and was fast. <laughs> So yeah, we're gonna take all the way. All right, I, I got one for you. What's cooler, a superbike win or an eight eighty three national championship? An eight eighty three championship because I can say it was just a it was a bunch of teenage kids in a van, and and that's how we that's how we got to that title. So yeah, nice. I like it. All right. I don't know. You might have attended one of these, but 
What would you rather go and check out as a spectator? The Tour de France or the Isle of Man? All right, so the Isle of Man is 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 far and away like the thing to do. Um, I've I've been there and it scared the day of ice out of me. I hope to be back. Um, it's like, you know, I, I was almost mad the first time a bike came by because I thought this is just like it's 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 just too much. Like it's there's too much danger. And then I ran into Mark Miller after the race and he was like in this you know, state of euphoria that one has when they see God. And, uh, and I thought, okay, I get it. Like this, this race is actually really cool. But, um, as far as the spectacle goes, the element is, I, I think the, the most insane thing I've ever seen. It's on my bucket list, man. I hope to make it there one day just to, you know, man, that's Love something you gotta Danny. see. Love we to have go. to go, man. We have to go. That's, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's nothing like it in the world. And, you know, it's probably one of those things that's super hard to put into words. You just got to experience it. So, yeah, that's a yeah, cool Yeah, you'll see, you'll see plenty of tanks lapping there. So it, it'd be perfect <laughs> for this show. Uh, I, I got one for you. How about this, Eric? Uh, you know, total hypothetical, of course. But you got to race with the ugliest set of leathers, but they fit perfect. So would you rather race with the ugliest set of leathers that fit perfect or a really cool-looking set of leathers that fit a little funky? Oh, man, I've, I've, I've done that, and <laughs> I've done both. And I can say the ugly set of leathers because style, you know, it always it always comes around. And, and what is it? I, well, just before the Bartels ride, I had um, – the promoter at uh, Oh, Springs those American flag leathers. Um, <laughs> you know this. And yes. It was for sure the ugliest set of leathers of all time. Facts. These and, are uh, facts. And, 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 and yet the most memorable. So, uh, yeah. man, you know, I forgot about those until you mentioned that. <laughs> those things you know, were pretty hideous. <laughs> Like everyone would come by just to laugh at me, and um, you know that 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 at sixteen years old, you I guess you know you build some character, right? That's <laughs> that, pretty funny. That, that's funny. That is really funny. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Corey. You got one? I got. Yeah, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here. I mean, that's the point of our show, I guess, right? But who finishes higher in the Moto Two points next season, Cam or Joe Roberts? that's a good question you know and the thing is here is it's not always fair right because you have like all the team and then you have the injury and and then you have the fact that uh that of course uh you know it's like you have some seasoning different level of seasoning with both riders but um I'm going to like go out on a win here and say Joe's going to finish higher in the points, but Cam might have better race results. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Cam's going to, Cam's going to win some, some battles, but Joe's going to win the war. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. That's a good one. All right. I, I got to, can't argue that one. I can't argue that one. All right, here's the next one. You have a time machine, and uh, it's 
you have two options. You can either go back and hang out with uh, Evil Knievel for a day or Steve McQueen. Oh, man. I did, I, I, th- this one was just for you. <laughs> Special for you. <laughs> you know, I I can say I'm going to go evil, and I'll tell you why. I've pretty much hung out with Steve McQueen. I grew up with him. His name is Ben Bostrom. Um, so I feel, <laughs> I feel like I've already been there and done that. Um, yeah, I want to I wanna see what it's like to hang out with evil. <laughs> That that's that's good. Uh, you know, hey, maybe when we're done with this segment, we have a uh, time. You know, since the show's called Tank Slapping, and your brother was on the show, maybe you can tell us a funny trail riding story, or or try to embarrass him, or or something. Maybe maybe you know you can think of something real quick. We'll 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 give you a couple minutes to come up with something good. Yeah, we'll ask you one more, and then yeah, I'd like to hear a good B boz E boz uh, story. Um, let's see here. Uh, I ask this one a lot. Yeah, I guess I'll, I, I like, I, I'm gen, I'm curious on this. I ask a lot of road race guys this one. Um, it's a polarizing question, but Valentino Rossi or Mark Marquez, who are you more of a fan of? I'm a Valley fan. I, you know, I, I, I really don't know why. I'm meaning that like, you know, how can you not be a fan of Marquez? But I like, I like, uh, I like Valley's, presence a lot and and uh you know he, he just he's i guess like uh you know he's just got a ton of character and charm um so i think i'm gonna pick him just based off of character and charm yeah i like it yeah that's that's a good answer man it, it's tough it's they're both phenomenal and i lo- i mean uh, brossy's the man he's he's one of the only probably guys if i ever met i'd be a little starstruck but as far as marquez goes just his enthusiasm when he did the super prestigio races and how much fun he had. And even when Baker took him out the first year and he was just stoked on life, it's just like that guy was, he gets, he really loves riding motorcycles and he gets a lot of flack cause he's pretty yeah. aggressive, but yeah, it's a good rivalry and uh, hopefully Marquez can heal up and get back on the grid. But yeah, man, if there's any, yeah. You have to finish this off. If you have a good, I don't know if you have any. Throw your brother under the bus, man. Now's the time. Throw him under the bus, man. <laughs> okay. What do you got? Are there right. any good stories? You know, there's so many good stories, and you know, with Ben, it's like which time, right? Like, is it is it getting ran over by a cigarette boat in a dinghy, um, or you know, like. <laughs> sleeping sleeping outside on a cliff because you know typical of Ben you don't make it where you need to be and uh and you know and and missing flights and everything else right but my favorite kind of uh throw Ben under the bus stories for for the tank slapping podcast would have to be a flat track story and um it was Ben at Sturgis half mile. We hadn't done much of like this big track racing test that was big because up pretty much all the way down up until then was Lodi, right? So, uh, so we're at Sturgis half mile, <clears throat> and then Jed like he gets like last place in his heat race. He's a pro junior, and uh, and the bike looks slow and and um, and damn, what what are you doing? You're like you're last place kind of thing. So um, so I'm giving him a hard time and. And then, and I'm like, well, the bike looks really slow. What year are you in? And it's like fourth. And I'm like, you're supposed to be in fifth. Try fifth in the semi. Okay. So 
he he goes, you know, Ben's like good at moving through the pack. He goes from, let's say, like around, you know, the second round start, moves through the field, wins the, wins, wins the semi, and I'm like, oh, that was impressive. He's going to, like, if he can do that, like, he might be able to win main it. So, uh, so, so I'm, I'm pretty jazzed up and I'm telling, and I'm kind of giving him a hard time about, you know, having the bike in the wrong gear. So then, uh, the main event comes around and he runs around and back the entire main event. And he comes in and the, the bike sounded like it was revving pretty loud. And he says, Oh shit, I forgot to shift. <laughs> oh, that's good yeah that's classic <laughs> i've had those moments where, like where you're just panic shifting off the line and you like come back in and you realize that you were in the wrong like i've done it once and i thought like my clutch was like fried and i and i go after i run a whole main event and i'm like oh the clutch is fried got my ass kicked and i come in i start downshifting I was in the wrong gear. I was in like third gear. And I, I thought my clutch was slipping the whole race. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that's uh, big so of relatable. You, <laughs> you didn't have to say that because we're we're trying to you know cut them down. So so uh, I I don't know. I felt like that was just impossible. I'm like, how do you how do you forget to shift? But um, it it uh, it all worked out, man. Yeah, I, I really like hearing the like the. I mean, I have a really strong bond with my sister, and and uh, and we we get to race together, and we get along really well, and um, well, pretty well, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love hearing the the camaraderie with uh, you and Ben, and uh, it's just a really cool story, man. You guys have a really good history in the sport, and it was good to have you on. And yeah, everybody listening, man, check out Backmate, man. Check out um, Eboz's. Uh, social media pages and, and backmate and, and it's a really good product and dude, uh, a lot of respect for you and in your career. And, uh, at, for you, as just as a, as a person, man, you're, you're, you're a great guy and we're, we're happy to have you on. Right on. Uh, huge respect for both of you too. I mean, thanks for hosting a great show and, uh, we've definitely be cheering for you out on the racetrack. So, um, cool crew. Wish you a happy holidays here too. Yeah, same to you, and, and same to you, Eric. And, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more. But uh, it'd be great to see you at a race uh, sooner than later. Maybe we'll, we'll get you out to one of these uh, AFT races next year. Heck yeah, I'll be there. Let's let's make it happen. It'd be fun to yeah, yeah, kick some tires. Yeah, sounds good. Cool, man. We'll we'll keep in touch. Uh, thanks again, and we'll chat soon. Okay. Good night, gentlemen. All right. Good night. See you. Yeah. Eboz, what a nice guy. He's just He's a nice super guy, nice, man. man. He's I just know. a really nice guy. Like that guy raced motorcycles at an intense level, and he's just so nice. Like him talking about Maladin kind of, you know, razzling him. I can't see Eric just what did what was his reaction? He's just a nice guy. Like, I know. You know, like if you if you bumped into Eric at the grocery store, you would never think he's an animal with a helmet on. You know what I mean? He's just so like, so reserved, so quiet, so nice, and just so well spoken, and just you know, just as classy as they come. But man, you know, his uh, his uh, career kind of speaks for itself. You know, you you know, you you buckle a helmet on the guy, and, and uh, man, he's just as fierce as anybody in the game ever. Yeah, and like I've mentioned before, like we've run through Ben's resume, we've run through Eric's, and. 
like me just reading that off where he was, you know, an 883 flat track champion in 1996. And then he was winning superbike races in 1998. That's two years later. I mean, it's yeah. just, he didn't really have any road racing experience. I just, you, you, you don't see that anymore. I mean, that'd be like taking, that'd be like taking, I don't know, like me, like I'm a support class champion and racing superbike and winning superbike races, like not a shot. <laughs> it's just crazy to think about. Like, you just don't see that anymore. Um, you know, guys like that, just, you know, even like Schwancy and, and Wayne, like going from the flat track and just kicking ass in MotoGP, just, I don't know, man. I think the last guy that did that and it's mad respect is Stevie Bonzi. I mean, he went from racing flat track. He did a, a track day or two on an SV650. And then he went over to MotoGP and rode Moto3 and did pretty well. Like he had some pretty good finishes so it's possible like like eric said you got to have the right people behind you and that helps out a lot and um yeah it's just it's just really cool to have those guys on eric's just a a big big resume man and yeah it's just having that kind of cloud on our show is pretty cool yeah like i said it's you know it's cool that we got to talk to both you know both of them you know when i say both of them both Ben and Eric, you know, kind of get the full full spectrum of the Bostrom brothers, you know, uh, Boz Bros, man, what a brand that was. And I want some cool. shirts, dude. The shirts me are too, so cool. Man. Gotta, gonna, me too, man. Me too. wheels turning. Yeah. My, out, they're dude. going. They're going. So as well, as if we need something else on our plate. I mean, but <laughs> Boz Apparel. I think we could make some. I think I'm gonna yeah. jot down some ideas because that that apparel line was was badass. And if and it's the retro theme, like '90s themed, the early 2000s themed shirts, all that stuff is it's making a comeback. So it'd be cool to cool to get that get that going. But yeah, nah. I guess we you know we opened up. We talked about the tire test. We talked about the winter throwdown. I don't, I don't know if there's much else coming up really to talk about. I, I kind of secured my deal. Well, I didn't kind of, but I secured my deal for another year with G and G racing. So I'm excited about that. That's put to put the bed as much, you know, silly season sucks. So I, uh, I got that figured out, you know, now I can kind of dial in the, the other parts of my program and training and things like that. Silly season. I've talked about it before, but it sucks, dude. Like as a racer, every year it's back to square one essentially, and trying to. Now I'm still waiting on calls, you know, making sure my deals are done and and things like that. And it keeps you up at night, man. Knowing if you have a job, you know, if if you have if you're gonna get paid, if you know, having family now, and it's it's tough as a racer. Some some years, it just um, you know, it's awesome. Racing's cool, but it's it's also tough the, from a financial side of it. Just you could be making good money one year and then next year, you know, you just, you don't have a job. <laughs> you have to work at Dunkin' Donuts. So it's yeah, like man, one of the things, man. It's, it's like farming, man. You know, you, you get out what you put in and right now is the time, you, you know, you got to plant those seeds and, you know, you got to work, man. Uh, you know, everybody sees race day and they think it's all nice and, you know, things come a little easier than uh, what what most people think. You know, they, they see the, the fruit, you know, but uh, right now is work time and, and it, it's a lot to take on. And, uh, you know, put, you know, like you said, Corey, it takes a takes a lot of effort and there's a lot of things that are involved that a, a lot of spectators don't, you know, think about. It's not their job to think about it. But, you know, it, it's fascinating stuff. It's part of racing. And uh, to the guys that are doing it at the top, 
level of the sport, right now is their grind time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of them things, man. I've learned to appreciate, <laughs> like I, I told somebody in an interview recently, like the um, – like the bad days and the hustle and the early mornings and the sponsorship hustle. Like I'm going to miss all of this in 20 years. You know, when I look back on my career, like guys mostly think about, you know, the wins, you know, the, the good times, but you know, the, the hustle, like I, I'm good. I'm buddies with Scott Taylor. He's Shana's manager. He also managed Ricky Carmichael. And, and he said, Ricky misses the, um, the intense points battles the most, like, the staying up at night, training, worrying, the stress, like that intensity is something Carmichael misses most. And I, it, it made me think like, man, I'm going to miss driving all night in the van. I'm going to miss, you know, all that stuff that I think sucks right now. I'll look back and it'll be just good times, you know? So I got cruise, I guess. So I'll probably be driving in a van all night to the yeah, strider. Yeah, yeah. You'll be a P. We dab before you know it. I see Cruz, yeah. man. He told I on you know what? He's amazing. He, he's he like dude, he does wheelies, gets sideways. He's like wide open. I, 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 that guy cracks me up, man. He's too cool. We just put uh he just blew up his motor in his electric bike. So oh, my grandpa no. Fitzcharles, he came up today. I had a spare motor on the shelf. It's a okay. it's a brushless motor, dude. And <laughs> we took it down the basement. Um, it, it's like way faster than his other engine. I jumped on it just to test it out. I gave it throttle and I almost KX 60 it on the starting <laughs> line. Like, and then he gets on it and he just he just starts ripping on it. I'm like, dude, slow down, slow down, like feel it out. It's just kids, man. It's just oh the stuff they can do is just it's just insane. It's just insane to me. Like all my buddies, like my buddy Julian, he's like, dude, he's faster than me already. Like legit. I'm like, I don't get it. Like it's just yeah, it's it's just crazy what these kids can do with these balance bikes and electric bikes. It's really cool to see. But um Speaking of kids, let's call our our adopted kid because we haven't talked to him in a while. Noah Chambers. Yeah, let's catch up with him. Always good time. Always let's good time talking to Noah. Man, let's call him up. Let's see what he's been up to. Fans love Chambers, man. We haven't talked to him in a while. We haven't seen him in any races. Let's see what the hell he's up to. Carter, give give Chambers a call and let's uh, let's catch up with Noah. Big dog. Noah. What up? You tell us, man. Back on the pod, dude. What's what's going on in the life of Chambers since the last two months we've chatted? Uh, just sold his bike, so that's good. Yeah? Talk oh, couldn't that, be man. more pumped on that. Well, your Cali 450, you just sold it? Yeah, she was, uh, I mean, it was a good bike. I just been trying to get rid of Wait a second. Bike. What was that ding in the background? Are you at work right now? No, dude, I actually just got in my van, which is on its last leg, but, um, your van has a, actually. your van has a ding on the door. No, that was like, probably me slamming the door you heard or, well, you know what, you know what it could have been? It oh, okay. Been, it, I have a blue, well, <laughs> I don't even have a radio in this pile of junk. So it was my, probably my Bluetooth speaker beeping when I got in. <laughs> that was it. Well, that was it. Okay, I was like, "Your van is too old to be beeping dude. and dinging." Yeah. Let's make the, like we're trying to get you a new van, dude. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm in the market. I'm hunting around for one, dude. New bike, yeah. new van. It's 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 gonna be uh, it's gonna be good, dude. It's gonna be good. So, what's this deal? Uh, 
Corey was talking about a little earlier with this uh, trade you made. Oh my God. Yeah. So I, so obviously I was trying to sell this Kawasaki with, you know, fortunately tonight I, I did sell it, but, but like I've had it up for, I think two weeks now. And I kept getting like all kinds of like dumb inquiries about it. Like people are like, Oh, you know, I'll give you, you know, three grand or, you know, like half price of what it's worth. And like, you know, um, I'll trade you, uh, I had someone that wanted to trade me like a Harley for it. I had someone that wanted to trade me like a uh, a pickup truck that was just like ragged out, like something I don't even need. And like the best one that I got, which Corey's referring to, was this guy was like, "Yo, man, like I'll give you four grand and this moose head." And I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "The hell do I want a moose?" I'm thinking, you know, at first, I'm like, at first, I'm pissed. I'm like, "All right, like." Are these people really serious? And then I get to think, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm like, I could get that moose head and like hang it up in like the store, like the beer store, like at work, and you know maybe it'll be kind of cool. Like, I'm like, fuck it, you know what, dude? Like, you give me, you give me forty forty five hundred bucks, mind you, this is a two thousand twenty four fifty. I'm like, you give me forty five hundred bucks oh my and gosh. this moose head, and, and and you got a fucking deal, dude. Like, I'll do it. And I'm like. <laughs> You won't find anyone else willing to get this moose head off you. And he was like, nah, man, you know, I, I can't go over four. I can't go over four. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, man. You're just, well, I'm going to have to walk from this deal. We were close, I Tammy. Close. Like, got close. I told him oh, that you go didn't for get it. it? Oh. No, I didn't get it. Well, dude, he was just trying to, he was trying to lowball me too much. How we, big we was this we moose 500 head? Bucks off. Dude, it was big. Oh. Huge. I mean, I know. Like, like, legit the, moose. A legit. Alaskan no, the moose. Sorry, Alaskan moose. <laughs> I, could, I can send you guys a picture of it. He sent me, um, he even sent me, he's like, as you can tell, like, my wife dressed it up for the holidays. And it had, like, a, a, Santa. Hat on, like, Christmas, a Santa hat on it said, like, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, fuck my it, dude. I'll, was, I'll take this moose. My oh. idea was take the moose head. Well, on the podcast, we'll sell tickets, like raffle tickets. We'll raffle off this moose head, $50 a ticket. You know what I mean? Like, we get enough tickets, raffle that thing off. You might you might clear six grand. Like, it might have been a – How people would we ship people it? Would, ah, Pick it up to the throwdown. <laughs> yeah, it's what we're going to do. We're going to bring it to the throwdown. But do you think people really yeah, would have? Yeah, really, I'll be interested really to bummed. see if people really would have. Uh, if people really would have bought tickets for this moose head. Because like honestly, yeah. no needs a moose head. They're huge. I'm They're huge. Sure. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, the dude, nose on that thing is like three feet. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, hit us up if you guys would have bought like a fifty dollar ticket. I want to. I'm curious how many people would have would have bid on this moose head. It was legit. It was. I mean, it's hard to, without seeing a photo, but. Just picture like a really nice moose, and it's mounted on your, <laughs> and, and you're helping Noah Chambers get to the race. In Corey's trying yeah. to, to to sell this. Imagine, dude, I had nice a business plan laid out, and I'm like, dude, this is how many tickets we need to sell. This is how many we need per ticket. I was like, we'll deliver it at the throwdown. We'll walk around with a. a like a helmet and just take donations for it. Like I was, I had a, I had a set business plan and, and no, he was skeptical. I'm like, all right, dude. Say he did it. have it all laid what? out. He, he, it, it sounded very convincing. And I was, 
like, man, I was very, I was like, man, it, like I said, it got to the point that we were like, we were only a couple hundred dollars away from making a deal. <laughs> like if he would have moved a little bit, mind you, I went from like six grand down to like four. Like if he would have budged a little bit, we'd, we'd have a moose head right now. 100%. Was this guy from like Facebook Marketplace or or where'd you find oh, this yeah. guy? Oh yeah, yeah Facebook Marketplace. Call him back, I man. Told him forty two, fifty. We we. I did, Santa. man. I did. I said, look, man. I said, meet me in the middle. You know, we'll do forty two, fifty. I literally said that to him, and he was like, man, the best I can do is four thousand fifty. He's like, that's that's all I got. That and the moose had it, and I was like, nope, man. It's got you know at least forty two. Like I said, we were. $225 away from making a deal. So you're looking for a new van. So anybody out there selling a van, hit us up. Well, I don't know if y'all seen Chambers van, but it's, it is uh it's a, it needs to be in a museum. It is a specimen and we're trying to get him a new van. And then if you guys, are going to be at the throwdown. Noah will be at the throwdown. So, oh, I'll be. I there. guess first, first big flat track race you've attended all year, man. Uh, last flat track race I did was um, Mike Poe's race out at, um, God, what was that? What was that track called? Really cool place. Coview. Um, Coview. Coview. That, that's it. Coview. And uh, what I raced, I raced uh, your Honda, right? Yeah, Corey's Honda. Yeah. Bye bye. Yep. So, um, yeah, but when I throw down, I'll be there, you know, so looking forward to it. Well, I see you've been down, like you've been, uh, doing some moto down in Florida, right? Have you been doing any, like I was in South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Okay. Same thing. Um, and <laughs> nice weather. No, man. I mean, I've been, I'll be honest. I've been riding a lot. I've been riding a lot of motocross. I've been doing a, a lot of like, a lot more off-road stuff recently. A lot of hair scrambles. Did, did a couple, you know, J-Day off-roads, which are a mix of, like, a hair scramble and uh motocross race. And um, I don't know. I just, I've, been, I've been enjoying those a lot. I mean, dude, I'm, I'll race anything. I don't care what it is. Like, even Posh. We were, we were talking to Posh. He's like, yo, dude, like, I got this 1,000 street bike. You want to come ride it? I'm like, fuck yeah, put me on that thing. Like, in reality, I'll probably crash my brains out. But dude, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Put me on it. Speaking of uh, 1,000s, we got well, we had Eric Bostrom on the show. Do you know who Eric Bostrom is? What's his last name? Eric Bostrom. Are you like a 90s road race fan? You have to look him up. I haven't heard of him, but I'm, you know, that's not saying much. I don't know many road races at all. The only road races I would know is like the three I've met through flat tracks. So. <laughs> Posh, Rispoli. Posh, Rispoli. Yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> uh, well, oh, hey, man, God. get get on the horn. Call that guy back. Try to line up the moose. We'll see what we can do for you. And uh, we're just going to have to touch back in with noah Corey. yeah we'll call you next week dude we're, we're gonna get a, a, a tally on on these ticket sales for the moose head and then we'll see if we can uh line something up maybe maybe i could trade him my van for the moose head and Ooh. then uh raffle off the moose head and, and try to get a new van 
Wheels are turning, man. Let's I like be honest. Let's be honest. Who the hell would want to trade a, a, a sweet moose head for this stink? <laughs> <laughs> Send us a photo of that. We're going to post it up on the story for people to look at it. Dude, it, like, this thing, wait till y'all see this thing. I mean, it's, I mean, it's my baby. It's my baby, but she's got her, uh, she's got quite a bit of cancer on her right now. And something started <laughs> tweaking real bad in, in, in like the front end. Uh, last week and it's like it's so bad I'm not even gonna lie to you right now. I'm sitting in my high school my my high school parking lot in park because if I was driving down the road, the squealing is so loud that you guys it would mess up the phone call one hundred percent. I'm I'm oh, and I'm being man. so serious right now. I'm sitting in this parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. We'll let you roll man. We'll chat we'll kick chat with you next week. All right man, it was good talking to you guys. I'll I'll All talk right, to you guys no, soon. Peace man. Ah man, peace. Later. Golly, what a character! Like that's an understatement. <laughs> the guy is unreal. Moosehead, who would? I'm. <laughs> that is great, man. I I hope he gets it. Yeah, uh, it's big. It's pretty. It's pretty cool, actually. And I, I think we can. Make I want to see it. The entrepreneur. I, see it. I was like, Nick, that dude. It's kind of like ironic because it's i think people would buy a ticket just because it's just random as hell like a 50 dollar to maybe win a moose head like what the fuck would you do with it but it's still like it's just it'd be awesome to just just like to give it to somebody like here's the moose head you just won <laughs> it's i'll put i'll, I'll get a picture i want it you know what to do with it you know what I'd do with it if I won it? I'd donate it to the winner throwdown, and next year, whoever wins the main event is going to win a moose head. Nobody could fit it in their vehicles to take it home. It would just have to sit at the track. That's why, yeah, that's why <laughs> veins have tops to them, man. Just throw it on the top. That's funny. Also want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Bell Power Sports. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Big thank you to Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, Commercial Industrial Roofing Company, Jerry Stinchfield, CommercialRoofSystems.net with nearly 40 years of experience. Big shout out, as always, to Jerry. He keeps us rolling. DID Chains, they're one of our big sponsors. They've been the driving force behind countless championships since 1933. Check them out on social media at DID Chain with any questions on the products or to get some advice on what you f- what they feel is the best option for your motorcycle. Also, AIM Sports, they are the worldwide leader in motorsports data acquisition, displays, and sensors. Many top teams in the AFT series and other series around the globe use AIM, including myself and the G&G racing team on our Yamaha MT-07 race bikes. I love the products. I just got I just got an AIM Sports for for my motocross bike. So I'm gonna check data at the moto track and and stuff like that. I, I'm addicted to data, you know. And I, I I I couldn't race without them anymore. So I'm really happy to get them involved. It's a product I strongly believe in. If you have any questions about the AIM Sports products, hit me up. I run the Solo Two is the product that I run. Um, they're also on Instagram at AIM Sports Data, but. A lot of great sponsors to make this show happen, guys. Make sure you go on their channels. Thank them for supporting Tank Slap and Podcast. <sighs> That's a wrap, man. I don't, I don't think I have anything else. I had a, I'm drinking a White Claw pineapple flavored tonight. Uh, I'm putting out the fires. I'm putting out the fires still from this weekend. I'm drinking water, and uh, now I'm gonna have to go through my photo boxes, man, and try to dig. I think I have a picture. 
of those leathers Eric talked about. Man, they were ugly. <laughs> they were bad. So funny. They were so bad. I'm trying to think who else had ugly leathers. Like, can we can we maybe like throw Ooh, anybody that's... else under the bus? Yeah, the Mount Rushmore of ugly leathers, huh? I think. Who had ugly leathers? Let me think here. You know uh, what? I didn't like. I like Carver, but I didn't like his brown leathers he had like two years ago whatever they were like mustard colored like brown i wasn't a, a big fan of those letters <clears throat> yeah, um but then again every, everybody hated my oh not everybody I, but a lot of people hated my uh my throwback my my uh mexican themed nikki hayden will davis tcr throwback leathers i thought they're cool a lot of people didn't like those who didn't like yeah, those I don't, the people that didn't, they don't know the nostalgia. Like, they don't know what they're from. Uh, they didn't yeah. like them. Okay, okay. You know what? Leathers were ugly. You, oh, I, I guess they weren't leathers. <laughs> Two guys had them. Jared had a set. Man, I feel bad because I feel like I'm kind of talking crap on a company. That Anyway, the leathers that Jared had, they were made by some Speedway company uh, that did, like, Speedway. Oh, uh, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's okay. They don't sponsor so, our show, bro. <laughs> those things are so no, bad. Okay. They, they look like they fit horrible. Like, I don't know. <laughs> they were so baggy. And, like, everything just looked like crap. Davis Fisher wore a set, too. Yeah. No, it's cool. I mean, something different. But, yeah, it's not something I would I would wear. I mean, the ugliest ones, I've had some ugly. Le- uh, yeah, I'm not going to throw this company out because – <laughs> they're, they're pretty cool people, but yeah, well, I had know, a okay, really sad company. All right, all right. Go ahead. Ah, no, <laughs> Stop bagging the companies. Let's bag the color schemes. <laughs> yes, yes. Trying to think, man. Who else? I got to think here. Um, some well, we could probably go back and talk. Some people will probably send us some designs after listening to uh, maybe going going back in time a little bit. My my leathers are sick. I don't know what y'all. I mean, like my I'm set. Like stars, American flag, stars and. Stars and stripes, man. I'm going to start. You know what? I, I got something to think about now. I'm going to start thinking about who had some ugly leathers. Got to cool. think about this. You can think of cool leathers. Like, that's pretty easy. Um, yeah. Cool looking leathers in the pits. Man, you we know, could do cool leathers, cool helmets. Yeah, but ugly leathers. Who had ugly leathers? Dalton Gautier were pretty ugly when he turned uh, expert. He wore his dad's old leathers. They didn't fit him. They were like Speedway leathers. They were pretty, <laughs> they were pretty ugly. But he, he he was freaking fast in those leathers. Like he won a lot of races. And he those. made them look good. You can't old talk. Leathers. You can't talk crap when you're winning. <laughs> nah, exactly, dude. You can look like a pos homeless guy and win races, and no one ain't nobody saying shit. The check still cashes the same. So. Yeah. yeah. Right, we'll think about it. Send us ideas on some ugly leathers because fuck it. That's just we just do random stuff like that. We just want to hear it. We want to see photos. Um yeah, we appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Buying shirts? Hell yeah. Appreciate you guys. That's really cool. We'll get those out here and hopefully the next week or two. I don't know. Actually the holidays at they're they're in the process of getting printed. So they're really, really high quality shirts. I've spent more on on them than I than I would have liked. But yeah, they're really cool shirts. Definitely want to give a shout out to uh uh Livia. She is uh the designer of the uh the t shirts and appreciate her uh her helping us out. Pipe Dream Illustrations is is her name and she helped us design them. So shout out to her. She did a really good job and um, hit us up, 
SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Follow us, subscribe, leave a review. We like to see the reviews, man. It, you know, good and bad. We like to hear what you have to say. Sammy was really drunk last week. He was not you know, as drunk. <laughs> well, you know what happened? I got I got all hyped up. I called I called Jay like an hour before the show. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, we're drinking beer. Judy's drinking vodka. So I was like, oh man, all right, I'll start too. And uh, yeah, anyway. I didn't realize how drunk you were until Carter pointed it out. He's like, dude, he's hammered. I'm like, shit, yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, Talk yeah. about your beer can thing, dude. We we were gonna drop it on the pod, but we never did. What what happened during the show? Uh, all right all right all right you know what um yeah uh you know hey no shame in my game this this goes to show my level of commitment how about that to the to the podcast uh so uh as you well you know uh i broke the seal (laughs) that's all that happened i broke the seal and i'm committed to the show so i couldn't leave man i I had to stand my my ground i was uh you know man my post and so uh I had to do the old Gatorade bottle, and uh, I filled her up. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I filled her up, <laughs> and then some. <laughs> I saw man come down, and you're like scrambling and shuffling around. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? And then afterwards, like, yeah, I tried to piss in the thing, and I just I overfilled it. <laughs> so. uh, so- you could have actually just said like, "Hey, I'll be right back," and I could cover it. I'm committed, man. You, I'm committed. Game, dude. It's just that's how we roll. Yeah, I don't let go of the handlebars. I'm holding on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love I love people that just think they're gonna save it, like fully committed. Like I think Carver's crash from Volusia this year. He he held on, and Halbert Halbert never lets go of the handlebars. That fucker could be upside down, and he still thinks he's gonna save it. Um. Yeah, there's there's some guys that that crash really really cool. So. Yeah, if you're gonna crash anyway, man, you might as well just just go for it. And hey, you never know, you might. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's all we got. I, I think we've said that a few times, but yeah, we'll we'll wrap this up. We'll touch base with you guys in next week. We got some great guests lined up. I don't know who we have next week. We got a couple in the in the works, but yeah, we'll we'll bring it to you. And thanks for tuning in. Peace. See ya.